today on 2C Vans. One of the things I noticed is what you are saying before, that like the stuff that lives in there didn't change that much over time, but what lives in there is, compared to other parts of the ocean, kind of weird, right? <laughs> very weird, yes. Yeah. Especially the very bottom water, where there's no oxygen and lots of sulfide. Mm -hmm. um, that community is unlike really any other that I'm aware of in the literature. Oh. Really? Uh, yes. And so, to talk a little more about that, I want to take a step back and We've been talking a lot about bacteria. Hello and welcome to 2C Fans at Moat, your podcast for marine science, conservation, and education here at Moat Marine Lab in Sarasota, Florida. I'm Haley Rutger. And I am Joe Nicholson. Yeah. The show's also for illiterate sea monkeys. I threw that is in. Is that our throat. audience is illiterate sea monkeys? No, that's my audience. Yeah. That <laughs> my audience is people who want to learn about science and who, you know. And that's why we are both here. <laughs> We're here to keep it light and keep it sciencey. So um, we have a wonderful guest today who is um, visiting our campus for a very special project that a lot of people have heard about recently, our blue hole studies in the Gulf of Mexico. It's everywhere. It's blue all holes. over the news. And so can you tell us your name and your title, please? Yes. My name is Nastasia Patton. I'm a postdoctoral researcher with the Cooperative Institute for Marine and Atmospheric Studies at University of Miami, uh, which is a part of NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. That's right. Where are you from originally? Where, do you, where, did, where did the young Nastasia grow up? Uh, I actually grew up internationally, moving around a lot. So my father was in the diplomatic service, and um, I spent several years in different countries, in Africa and in Israel, which is where I learned to dive. Um, and so my time in Israel is actually what made me interested in marine science. That's so cool. Absolutely. That's, uh, it must have been beautiful over there, huh? Oh, stunning. Yeah, the Red Sea is great visibility. Is that <laughs> where you went to school? Uh, three years of high school. Nice. It's really cool. Like, there's so many scientists here who have some experience over there, and just the pictures they've come back with from the Red Sea are so amazing. So no wonder you got into exploring the marine environment. Uh, and, and then you, did you come to the States for, for college? Or like, how did, how did you get into the field that you're in now? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I went to Stanford University for undergraduate. I majored in biology. I was a little bit all over the place. Within biology, I didn't really know what I was interested in. And so I ended up doing a master's program in microbiology, marine microbiology. And that really kind of solidified my my interest in that field. Um, so you like then, the small things. Yeah, exactly. All exactly. the small things. Microbes are just like a treasure trove of weird things that they can do, and they're they're just so cool. The more I hear about, and we need them. Oh, we need them for so many things. Yeah. Probably things we don't know about yet. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, people think bacteria and they think germs and and sickness, but truly, the vast majority of bacteria out there are, are necessary good. for yeah. our survival. I mean, we are human bodies. We're just a vessel for our bacteria. So, I am happy to be a spaceship for lots of bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> spaceship Haley. Yeah, Haley's comet covered in bacteria. Um, but bacteria are everywhere, and when we say everywhere, we mean pretty much everywhere, um, even in some of the places that are, are not our bodies, not animal life, not anything that we're familiar with, including the deep ocean. So, so how did you get interested in bacteria in the deepest in the deep spots that we're exploring here at Moat, the blue holes of the Gulf of Mexico? Deep, deep water. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm into exploration generally. And so this was a chance to really explore an environment that is one of the last kind of unexplored marine environments on Earth. Um, certainly, there's lots of the deep sea that we haven't truly explored yet. But, you know, we have sent robots down the Marianas Trench and we've gone to very, very deep places. But these blue holes are different, right, because they're, they're quite difficult to access. They're pretty narrow. Um, they are a little too deep for diving, but not quite right for submersibles. And so just the chance to be a part of that exploration was really exciting. And their own, their own kind of like ecosystem as well, aren't they? You know, because they're, they're kind of inside the hole. They're not, not subjected to the currents or anything like that, or at least as far as I know, they're not. Yeah, well, you're, yeah, that is a very active uh, topic of discussion. Uh -huh. And we, our data from our first blue hole um, uh, expeditions, the Amberjack blue hole, suggests that they're not mixing really at all. And there's very little that is getting in the hole or coming out of the hole. And so we think that is very stable over time. Oh. A time capsule, if mm -hmm. you will. A time capsule for bacteria, yeah. Mm. It'll be, and for many things, maybe. So, like, let's... Um, I, and I have to give props to the folks who, who got us into Blue Holes, um, Jim Coulter here at Moat and, and Dr. Emily Hall at Moat, who is leading the current effort. And there's just all these different scientists from all these different institutions bringing their really cool expertise like Nastasia with microbes. And um, it's like it's amazing how people have like coalesced to go into these places that are really hard to reach but really cool. So why do we need to study the little creepy crawling microbes that live in a place like a blue hole because I understand there's not as much oxygen down there and it's more acidified down there so it's like it's a strange environment. It is a strange environment. I mean even in normal environments like at the surface of the ocean where there is lots of oxygen and light microbes are still driving the basis of nutrient cycles in the ocean so yeah. we need to know how much carbon they're turning over and how much nitrogen they're releasing into the atmosphere. All those things have implications for um, you know, our global health and our understanding of oceanography. But more specifically, with blue holes and low oxygen environments, you know, those are environments where only microbes can live. So you're not mm -hmm. getting fish down there. You're not getting animals of any sort because it's really only microbes that can survive without oxygen. So, we're, so what they yeah. do is really important. It's extremely, yes. It's all that's happening is microbial. They are the life of the party down mm -hmm. there. <laughs> that's right. And um, I, I was thinking about something you mentioned last time we talked when you were here for AJ Hole, which was like um, some parts of the ocean might become a little bit, you know, might have less oxygen than they do now into the future. So there's a little bit of a... Uh, not that they're going to look like a blue hole necessarily, but there's something there. There's some reason that that makes it more interesting to study those low oxygen environments. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of evidence suggesting that our natural marine oxygen minimum zones, which exist um, in various places around the ocean, they're getting bigger. Mm. And if they're temporal, they're lasting longer. Oh. And so more and more of the ocean will be low in oxygen as our climate warms and oceans become more acidified. And so understanding what can survive there and how chemicals are functioning in those environments becomes more important for that reason. Is there one of those areas close to us? Oh, sure, yeah. Well, the most famous one, the, the Gulf of, uh, or the, the Mississippi Delta, um, which gets a ton of runoff and goes anoxic seasonally. And every year, it seems like that's getting bigger and worse. And so, What's that one called? Do you remember? 
Uh, I mean, I just think of it as the Mississippi Delta. Do they call it the dead zone sometimes? Uh, that's, I, mean, I think I've you, heard of it yeah. called the dead Colloquially, zone. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering if that was it. I heard you, yeah. you had a new publication on the way yeah. uh, talking about the microscopic life in the AJ hole. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. That was a real labor of love for me. It was uh, really exciting to get into those data and... Um, Basically, what we do is we take DNA. Um, we don't grow anything in the lab. We take only the DNA, and this tells us, this gives us a genetic blueprint for everything that is living there oh. and what they're capable of doing. And so um, we extract the DNA. We run it on a very fancy DNA sequencer. Mm -hmm. And then we have to take these pieces of DNA sequence and start to put them together like pieces of a puzzle. And we start to build units of organization. And so mm -hmm. one unit might be a genome. And we think this genome belongs to this one thing. Um, another unit might be a set of genes that are involved in a pathway that are cycling uh, you know, a particular chemical. And we can say, this is a function that is happening. And if we're lucky, we can put them together and say, this thing is doing this function. You're like the 20 three and me or ancestry.com <laughs> for uh, microbes basically All like right. that. that's we, awesome we can, it. yeah we, we, i think we got something here we can maybe market this all right i don't know that's what it. they have to trade but she's you know. got to she's going to market it to microbes and they're going to come to her and be like sequence my dna i want to know who i who, am who, who i am well people are getting <laughs> very interested in, in gut microbiomes you know and uh -huh. so sequencing that stuff is a big deal now too oh absolutely i didn't know that yeah. Oh, I. What's yeah, in my gut? That's a big deal. Where did my gut? Bite? It's a big deal for your health. Well, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and like for the health of the ocean, we got to sequ sequence the microbes in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that you call this a labor of love. And it's you know some people's love language is acts of service or spending time. Hers is microbial research. That's right. <laughs> Bioinformatics, to be specific. <laughs> Bioinformatics. Okay. <laughs> so that's the field where you gather a whole lot of data to understand life processes basically yeah okay hmm. in a Very nutshell cool. i got a little bit of a look at through the publication and one of the things i noticed is what you're saying before that like the stuff that lives in there didn't change that much over time but what lives in there is compared to other parts of the ocean kind of weird right <laughs> very weird, yes. Yeah. Especially the very bottom water where there's no yeah. oxygen and lots of sulfide. Mm -hmm. um, that community is unlike really any other that I'm aware of in the literature. Oh. Really? Uh, yes. And so to talk a little more about that, I want to take a step back. And we've been talking a lot about bacteria. Um, I've also been using the term microbes. Yeah. So microbes can really be bacteria and something called archaea. Yeah. So archaea are the third domain of life. Um, they're often kind of mixed together with bacteria, but they're quite different. Uh, some people think they are more closely related to us than they are to bacteria. Wow. But they're single-celled, and they, in many ways, look and act just like bacteria. Tell us what the three domains of life are, because I'm going to mess it up. I, I'm, and I have no <laughs> idea. Help me out here. So we got, we got archaea is one. Mm -hmm. We've got, what's bacteria in? Is it... They're their own just thing. Bacteria. Just bacteria. Just bacteria. Mm -hmm. And then eukaryotes. That's it. Eukaryotes like mm -hmm. me and Joe. Mm -hmm. Really? My fellow eukaryote. I'm a eukaryote. Yeah. Eukaryote. Yeah. Eukaryote. Eukaryote. You eukaryote. I, I eukaryote? <laughs> I like to do you karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yes, yeah. she does the in a car. And domains are what come above kingdoms, right? Yeah, well, sort of. The term kingdom is a little outdated now. Oh. We don't really talk about kingdoms so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, your older listeners may have learned about the five kingdoms in school, and okay. um, we're we're kind of past that. I might be one of your older <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I remember kingdoms a little bit. Oh, I do too. I do too. Don't so worry. what was the, what was so weird about these? Archaea. 
Well, uh, the most weird thing is that they were mostly just one type of Archaea. Oh. So normally our microbial communities are like hundreds of different things and they're all there and like, you know, small, low levels and they're all kind of Hanging interacting out, together. They're all competing and so there's not one thing that's dominating. Kind of like a village. Yeah, a little village. Um, you know, some people fight, some people get along, yeah. some people um, marry. <laughs> and, some people and, are bad neighbors, some people are good neighbors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. But but yeah, so in this case, it's really one thing that is dominating the community. Like 60% of it is just one thing. And this one thing happens to be very strange. Yeah, it was. it has a name that I can't pronounce. It's like Wozia, blah, blah. They're Woes Archaeota, named after a very famous microbiologist called Carl Woes, who is truly one of the fathers of modern microbiology. Cool. Cool. I'm going to read about him. Woes Archaeota. Woes is me. So, Woes Archaeota, did you say? That's right. Yeah. And why why are they so weird? What's their, what uh, properties do they have? Well, this is the weird thing. We don't really know. They have have very small genomes um, to the extent that they look like a, a symbiotic partner with other things. So often when b- microbes live together with another organism, pieces of their genome will kind of disappear over time because yeah. they don't need them. They'll just get what they need from their host. They're freeloading. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know people exactly. like that. Yeah. They're the worst. They're yeah. the worst. <laughs> but with microbes, it usually works out pretty well because yeah. uh, they usually provide something to their their partner too. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the Wozarchiota don't seem to be associated with anything else. Um, as far as we can tell, they seem to be freeliving. And so the fact that they have these very small genomes with very few genes that are doing anything um, involving conversion of energy or nutrient cycling um, is just very odd to us. That is weird. Mm. It's like you seem like you don't have all the parts to carry out a normal life. So how are you living down there? <laughs> That's so strange. Um, another thing that was strange to me was, and, and it's probably not super strange to you, but the things that the microbes do to live in this environment that is low in oxygen involves um, respiration, or I would call it breathing, mm-hmm. breathing in things that uh, are not oxygen, things I'm not used to. And I saw sulfur compounds as part of that in some of the parts of the hole. I saw nitrogen compounds as mm-hmm. part of that. And then I saw arsenic in there <laughs> in one spot. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. What was up with the arsenic? <laughs> yeah. So arsenic, this is, we very recently uh, realized that arsenic can also be what we call a terminal electron acceptor. So basically the last part of breathing. Kind of like oxygen normally oxygen. That's us. right. Yeah. Um, it can also be sulfate. It can also be nitrate. But it can also be arsenic. And Weird. we did find genes that are involved in this process of breathing arsenic. And wow. Um, we're just starting to figure out that arsenic may play a role in these low oxygen environments. And this is just one more piece of evidence that says, yeah, it might be important. Proof that life can be very different. <laughs> things things are a little alien down there. You can breathe in something that we consider mm-hmm. uh, poisonous to us. Yeah. Right. That is weird. So is was there any other big surprises or big big takeaways for you about about the the little bacteria and archaea in this environment? Oh my gosh, there's so many little pieces to it. Yeah, it's hard to focus on one. Um, we think there is kind of one discrete layer in the deep part where one type of microbe is producing filamentous sulfur. So it's basically taking this dissolved sulfur compound, reworking it inside the cell, and spitting out these chunks of like particles of sulfur. But it's really just at like one depth. When um, you say layer, you mean in the silt, in the bottom? No, of the, in the water. In the water. In the water. Mm-hmm. The water is so apparently so undisturbed in a way that it's it's stratified. You got 
layers. Exactly. Wow, very like stratified. Cake. It's very calm. It's very onion. It is like a cake. Yes. <laughs> your sulfuric um, anoxic la- layer cake full of bacteria and delicious. Mm, <laughs> it's delicious. Yummy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I want and. It's hard for me as a a, rel- a lay person relative to you to like to to turn those kind of like detailed microbial research findings into what does that mean for me, Joe Schmo sitting on the coast and don't what know about blue holes. What does that mean to me? <laughs> How do you? How do does that? this help me? Yeah. I think one of the coolest things about these holes is you know there are other environments in the ocean that are low in oxygen and sulfitic, and so it's not like the very first type of environment like that. Nah. But this is you know right in our backyard. You know this is right off the coast of Florida. Most people don't even realize they're there. And they're a lot shallower than most of these other weird environments. Normally, to find these kinds of low oxygen environments, you have to go down hundreds and hundreds deep of ocean. meters, super yeah. deep ocean, or you have to yeah. go to the Black Sea. That's another sulfitic. Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, you really gotta, you know, make a big effort and get a lot of money to go explore these places. But these holes are so convenient. They're these natural laboratories where we can kind of sit there and go out day after day without too much trouble, you know, and. Um, so that's the seas are really, calm. If the seas are calm, that's right. <laughs> so they're these natural, they're these places that are, you know, they're not easy to get to. you got to be specialized, but they're not as hard as a lot of the ones where you would want to look at. And they let you study these environments that have bearing on some features of how our oceans are becoming. <laughs> that's right. And not just how our oceans are becoming, but how life on other planets may work. You know, for example, uh. this arsenic respiration thing. You know, we go to another planet, maybe there's no oxygen, but there's a lot of arsenic. Yeah. And so then we're going to... Doesn't gonna, mean there's not life. Do, that's right. Yeah. And we'll have a little better understanding of how things might be living uh-huh. you know, from that perspective. That's really cool. Well, speaking of rough seas, yeah. how do you sample the bacteria in such deep environment? Like getting out there alone must be part of the difficult part. It's very challenging, yes. And we're really lucky to have a really interdisciplinary group of people that bring a lot of different skills and help us do this. So we've had a lot of um, great work with these technical divers who have to put on a lot of fancy equipment and breathe weird gas mixtures so that they can go really deep. And they're the real heroes of this expedition. They come up with our water samples that we can then filter and preserve. Um, And there's also, of course, this benthic lander, um, which is... uh, you know, being deployed by the the Beckler group at Harbor Branch, and they're also doing all of the chemistry measurements with the sulfur and the nitrogen and all these really important um, elements that give us a bigger clue into what the microbes are doing. So um, the the Beckler chemistry combined with our work is really making this beautiful picture of our our blue hole environment, and it's thanks to the divers and um, the benthic lander instrument that we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do it without a team. We've got people down there looking at microbes, got people looking at all the different chemistry and the sediment and the water. We've got people people here at Mo who look at carbonate chemistry and look at the animals around the top of the hole. Like, they do everything <laughs> from top to bottom. Well, yeah, because, you know, if you look at the AJ hole where you were at, like, the just to get to the rim of the hole, was that around, what, 110? That was about 110, 110 feet, feet, I think, in meters, so 32 meters. 30, okay, meter girl. Mm-hmm. Um, then it goes down inside the hole, goes down to around 200? 110 so, feet. So that's Another 110? Uh, no, no sorry, total 110, top to bottom, like surface to bottom. And then mm-hmm. inside the hole, going down inside AJ, goes down another what? 
Oh, no, I meant the very bottom of AJ Hole is 110 meters. Oh, yeah. oh, oh 110 yeah. meters. Meters, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I was going to say. I had like 350 so feet. So 350 feet. feet mm-hmm. in my head, roughly. Yeah. So that's that's deep. You know, that's okay. that's why you need the, the mixed gas divers. Mm-hmm. And because of the, the size of the hole as well, sometimes these holes are pretty narrow and constricted, so you need these divers to help get the gear down inside That's the right, hole. yeah. I mean, you can fit instruments in the hole, but... You know, and it sounds very simple, but when you're on a boat trying to drop something through. When it's rocking. When it's rocking and there's quite a bit of water between you and the hole, you know, you might drop it over it, but then you're drifting. And so the divers are really crucial. Trying to thread a needle from way above and there's stuff moving my Mm -hmm. little string around. I can't do it. Yeah, that's you need their help down there. And uh, now it's you guys are challenging yourselves with an even deeper site. Uh, Are you um, collecting the same kind of data from this new site, Green Banana? We are, yes. Um, We've improved our sampling scheme a little bit. So we're actually, so last time we just took water and filtered it onto one filter. And now we're actually doing two sets of filters. And so we're going to get things that are living on bigger particles and we're going to get free living bacteria. Those are, that's Uh, a major differentiation in terms of microbial lifestyle, if you will. Free living is like swimming around in the water column. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you changed this uh, filtering style because of what you found on the first one? Partly, yeah. Yeah. We just realized we could get a little better sense of who's doing what. So for example, these woes archaeota, maybe they are on particles, maybe they are relying on something bigger. Yeah. And so then they would be showing up in our bigger size filter um, versus things that are free living and swimming around, you know. Just thinking about how they separate all these guys out is like, first, I can't see them, first of all, I, I you know, so I have to like, go on faith that my filter, if it's the right size, is going to get them apart from each other. And then you get all this DNA and you have to make sense of it. Like, I feel like it's like somebody just like threw confetti all over my floor and they were, they told me to like, you know, take all the pieces of this color and sort them together. Only it's a million times harder than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite a uh, laborious process, but we have some very fancy computer programs that are, that help us out. Um, we use some math and some statistics and some probabilities and we and some really tiny tweezers and some very tiny (laughs) tweezers yeah well think of it you know these you can think of a set of sieves right you got your giant sieve and whatever goes through that gets onto the smaller sieve and so that's our starting point yeah Yeah. you start by sort okay that makes Mm -hmm. sense so i know that like there are so many things about this that are both fun and challenging but can you tell us what you think is the most you know, the best part about doing this and then the most challenging part. Yeah, it is really tough because um, there's so many elements to this project that are both exciting and challenging. And um, I think for me, the best part is, you know, when I finally get the data and I start to put the pieces together and I start to get a sense of who's living there and knowing that we are the first people to know, to, to see that and to understand what's living there. Oh, it's yeah. just really exciting as a scientist. You know, there's no better feeling than that. It's, you know, science and exploration all wrapped in one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's got to be very rewarding. So what's what's one of the biggest challenges then? I think the biggest challenge for me has been to incorporate all the different elements of the project and put together this holistic story. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all quite specialized in one thing and what we do. And I, I study microbiomes all in the ocean, but also I study human microbiomes. And so my specialty is figuring out how to tell what's there and what they're doing. But, you know, when you start to put in this redox chemistry, suddenly I have to learn about a whole new field and figure mm-hmm. out how sulfur is moving through a system and connect that back to the microbes. And 
Um, it's all of these pieces together that give us our picture of the blue hole, but it's it's a big challenge as well. Oh man, yeah, because you can't just be like, I found these microbes, and then be like, the end. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> it's not have, enough. You have to be like, I found these microbes. They have this one ability. The water is moving like this, or it's not moving like this. Uh, and there, you know, there are these animals here. There aren't these animals here. Like there's, and this is what the geology looks like. And so. It all comes down to what do these blue holes do in the Gulf and what do they mean for us as Gulf Coast residents? And that's not just a question of bacteria. It's not just a question of geology. It's not just a question of wildlife. It's all of those things. Well, and it's not just Gulf Coast residents. This research, it sounds like, is going to be wider implications for, you know, not just even this planet. I hope. (laughs) We hope. Well, yeah. You know, these arsenic-breathing crazy little critters. That's right. And yeah, and you know, NASA is interested in developing instruments that can detect those types of things in other places. And so these holes, I think, have the potential to act as a natural laboratory for NASA testing instruments, for example. So it's really, yeah, once you start to get into the wider field, it has really important implications. So really, we want uh, the people at NASA to listen to this and, and, <laughs> and listen say, hey, up, NASA. hey, look what you can find down here. If and you look- would like to give us some money to oh, work please, on this, yes. please uh, <laughs> let me know. Please. We're always open to that. <laughs> yeah, um, and we have to thank, uh, I, I believe it's NOAA, um, I want to say Office of Exploration and Research. That's right. Say it right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that supported this. So yes. that's a big deal. Thank um, you, Noah. That's a really big deal. And um, I, before we finish up today, I, there was one other thing that just intrigued me the way you said you work in both the ocean microbiomes and in human microbiomes. Um, what is that like being somebody who deals with both? Is it just, it's all microbes to me or are they really different? They are pretty different. And um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, I think it's, it, it's, it's for me the um, we're at a cutting edge of this field right now where we're really starting to be able to generate these massive amounts of sequence data that can tell us in very fine detail what is living there and what they're doing and um, to be on the the cutting edge of that and be one of the first people to start to understand what these different environments are like um, it's incredibly exciting and I like the variety you know I love the oceans I'm a marine scientist at heart but um, I like to mix things up, and it helps to get perspective, you know, on our own bodies and our own health as well, and and think about how microbes just control everything we do, and we should just accept that. <laughs> well, our bodies are basically a saline or an our ocean benevolent. environment, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, roughly. Uh, mine, mine roughly. Is well, <laughs> the pH partly. of your blood is the same as the pH of the ocean. I didn't oh, know that. Oh, see. Huh. See, I was going to ask her if uh, if any microbes that... Wow, would... that just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> mind blown. Good job. You blew his mind. Yes. Sorry. I love it. I love it. Um, is, is there any microbe that lives on or in me that would also be found in a blue hole? It's a stupid question. Oh, no, it's not a stupid question. <laughs> um, I would I say I think there's many likely. microbes that live on Haley. <laughs> she said it's pretty likely. Okay. Oh, yeah. At least close relatives. Close. Probably not exactly the same thing, but your gut actually has no oxygen in, yeah. in parts as well. And so there's a, you know, there's a kind of a limited repertoire of things that survive and no oxygen. And they would so at least have some traits in have, common exactly, to deal with exactly. those. And 
I did forget to ask you. So when you go in these places, whether it's the human microbiome or this strange environment, and how do you know if you found a new species? Does it happen all the time with bacteria because there's so many? It waves the flag saying, I'm new. <laughs> I'm new. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would do that. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, it does happen all the time. Um, it requires... Oh, man, it gets real complicated. There are these public databases that you can go to, but some different yeah. people use different databases, so you got to make sure to check all of them. And yeah. um, sometimes you can get things that are very closely related, but does that mean they're really the same thing or they're just like a close cousin? Yeah. Um, and so for that, you have to start to uh, look at evolutionary relationships among different taxa and figure out how they're related and how closely they're related. And and that's a field um, of its own. It's that's like, right. It's mm -hmm. like this, the uh, phylogeny of microbes. Mm -hmm. Whoa, there's a word. There's a word from a school. <laughs> well, it's been most amazing talking to you. Is there anything we forgot to cover about blue holes, microbes, and uh, how we can blow Joe's mind? <laughs> Ooh, that's I don't think hard. so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think um, I'll just leave you with one thought. You know, these holes, we don't think they're mixing very much, if at all. Okay. And so we know that these holes formed, what, maybe 12,000 years ago, 12 to 18,000 years age, ago, yeah. last ice age. Mm -hmm. And so in theory, um, because they're so stratified and so stable, you could have this population of microbes that basically were seeded when the hole was filled mm -hmm. and they've just been sitting there for about 18,000 years. Oh. And waiting for you to come by. Waiting for us to come along and look at them <laughs> yeah. and uh, talk to them and learn their secrets. Wow. It's like uh, Jurassic Park with the dinosaurs she are really little. She did it again, no, mind blown. <laughs> so ancient little world down there possibly. Mm -hmm. huh. Wow. Craziness. I'm never going to think of blue holes the I'm, same way again. I want to go back out now. Yeah. <laughs> do you? I do. <laughs> On a calmer day. On a calmer day, yeah. yeah. The last the Monday was a little rough. All right. Well, it's been fabulous. Thank you for coming on and telling us all about this. Today. Absolutely. Thank you thank so thank much you for so having much. me. Yeah. It's, it's been a blast. And, and thank you for blowing my mind. You're so welcome. <laughs> and we'll see you all again very soon for another episode of 2C Fans at Moe.